face-to-face, hand-to-hand, film-to-film. Welcome to the Film-to-Film podcast. Uh, I am James Shurgan, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, uh, Inyaki Inlaniero. How are you doing, Inyaki? Doing pretty well, James. How about you? I'm doing all right. Have you been watching anything interesting these days? You know, I, I've been watching The Crown. Uh, I've been watching... Um, I was also watching uh, a Chilean TV show. And... Um, oh, yeah. And, and two... And one Politsitesky uh, film. Uh, I think it was called uh, Flowery Naples. I, I might Flowery be wrong. Na- <laughs> Violent Neighbors. Yeah. Um, so we here today are going to be covering the last of the Politsitesky, the Italian crime films uh, from the 1970s. Um, so today we're going to format a little differently. We actually watched two films, the first of which is a documentary um, called Eurocrime! Exclamation point. The Italian cop and gangster films that ruled the 70s. Um, and the second film we'll be discussing in the second part of this podcast is Violenta Napoli, uh, aka Violent Naples. You know, a great, great way to, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think I might suggest this title to uh, the independent film and the Chamber of Commerce in Seattle, uh, see if they're willing to do a Violenta Seattle. Um, <laughs> see if we can uh, you know get some tourists and get some exciting stuff going on um so first off uh let's start talking um just sort of about the documentary and i think it's a good chance to also just sort of talk about our general thoughts on uh the politioteski uh genre in general um this being the sixth and final episode mm-hmm. um what were your um so the documentary basically it's done by a fan of the genre um who interviews a bunch of the key flight put players uh during this era a bunch of different filmmakers and actors and stuff and just sort of dives in what was your general impression of the uh documentary um you so i mean i don't know if the 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 maker of the documentary was a professional documentary Mm -hmm. maker it felt very amateur uh to be honest uh the 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 i would say the first at least the first half hour was uh, for uh, as a documentary was pretty worthless i know that sounds kind of mean to say but it, it almost felt like you know watching an uh e entertainment uh like you know show about like some actor or something uh, something that you already know and you're watching it because you already know of the subject so Let's start with this. I watched this with my partner, who has seen only one Politsitatsuki movie. And she was like, oh, I kind of want to watch this to see if I can learn and appreciate this type of movies. And after watching Half Hour, she literally was like, "Uh, unless you've seen these movies, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And and, and that's, I think, because later, like the second hour was actually like that's actually where you would start learning things that's where it got interesting but she left by then okay um so i mean as documentary goes in and of itself i think it was one hour too long uh it could have been the second hour and that was actually very informative very interesting 
uh, it is fascinating that someone did the work because it looks like it's a genre that uh, it's a cult classic but even then like no one really has bothered to do a documentary this is the only big documentary about this genre that I've seen uh, so I appreciate it for that but also at the same time I do think it's it, it's very amateur and uh, it didn't work very well okay all right I, I think you make some good points there I think you're a little harsher on it than I would personally be uh, I mean it's clearly made by a um, a fan of the genre and for people uh, and I think you might be right that this might be sort of a good appeal to people that have already seen uh, some films from the genre and know what it is rather than being a true introduction to the genre mm -hmm. um, yeah, did, were you able to enjoy it a bit more than your partner, at least? Yeah, I, I did, and and I mean to be honest, the second hour, yeah, very good. Like the information, in the second hour actually was very good. Um, it does a really good job breaking down what a Polizetsky is on the second hour once it's got, you know, but uh, and 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 you you start appreciating a lot more the genre, as a genre and what it's what it's doing, right, right. Uh, uh, and then the other thing I would say it's the editing. I would fix that, but uh, yeah, I mean, no, again, I mean this is I, cool. I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think it's clearly sort of a low budget thing, but I, I do th I do think that uh, probably Mike Malloy, who made the documentary, probably feels pretty passionate towards the genre, and I do think that comes across. Um, yeah, for as, sure. As an, another fan of the genre, um, I am uh, sympathetic towards it. Um, so interesting. I, I actually hadn't sort of uh, made that um, distinction of, of the first and second half, but I think you are right. Uh, the second half does go a lot more into sort of like the gender breakdown of the genre, uh, sort of what Italy was like at the time and that sort of thing. Um, uh, and even the breakdown of, of, of the actors, uh, right. who the actors were, how the filmmaking was made, even the the economics of why they were made the way they were they were they were i mean all of that very fascinating but there's a whole first hour where they just yeah jerking each other each other off like, yeah, yeah. Almost. i mean yeah i mean the documentary is two hours and 15 minutes so it's not short either but maybe it should have been the length of some of these politioteskis just running in at a lean mean 85 minutes or something like that yeah yeah and and to the point uh all right well Cool. Um, were there any? Um, so the, I've seen this documentary twice. Uh, the first time I watched it, I was sort of at a similar place in the genre to probably where you are, having seen a handful of films. Um, so I was kind of curious to revisit it now that I've seen a lot more films mm -hmm. um, and sort of know the proper context and of the different actors and stuff like that. Was there anything that like stood out in the documentary, just sort of um, as a piece of text? Uh, wait. What do you mean by? As the as the documentary being text, so so or? less less criticizing, less discussing the documentary as a piece of art, and more just like, oh, I thought it was interesting how, um, uh, like the interview with X and X actor, right? And, okay, or I the, thought like the parts about like the gender or like how they were filming it were interesting. No, well, so no, I, I really, again, as I said before, the second hour did a good job because. It was fascinating to to hear from the actors and the directors who worked in these Politzitaskis, uh, and they they did a good job in allowing them to fully like express themselves, go into details. 
uh, it was fun, for example, uh, hearing the opinions between two separate actors on the same event uh, uh, and how they, they actually were very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Italian actor and the American one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the guy in the pink shirt, Antonio Sabato. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, those things were... It, it, was, it was interesting to listen to. It was also, like, to, to learn about... I mean, how they were made, like the process of it, and and how how it, how much of a challenge it was for the Hollywood actors to get accustomed to the Italian way of filming um, in that era, of course. And I mean, all of that was really fascinating. It was interesting to to learn that. Um, obviously, they state the obvious when it comes to the misogyny. Uh, yes, and. If the, if I were to now just going on to the substance, if I were to f do something better in documentary, it's to try to get at least one of the women. Like I, they 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 had well, like they, some they old had, they interview. Had one. They had one, but I wasn't even sure if she was like, if that was actually an interview from them, or it was an interview somewhere else, you know? Because the, and I mean, I'm assuming it was from the the, the same director, but it would have been nice to to hear from. Uh, more women just because like it is it, it, it is kind of a, a, a yes I mean even hearing from the director it's, not, it's nice to hear from the director saying like yeah we kind of regret doing that it was like something of that era like I appreciate that I think like you know it shows that right. there's some maturity uh, but also like you know like they were talking about that uh I don't know if she died, but that, that actress who was like open to do all kinds of fucked up shit. Barbara Boucher. Yeah. yeah. Is she alive? Yeah. She is. It would have been nice to hear from her. Yeah. No, she's still around. Uh, she's an American. She lives in Italy, I think. She's in a bunch of Jalo, so maybe we'll, we'll see her later. Um, all right. Which is a much... Um, I don't want to say Giallo is absent of misogyny, but uh, like if we're talking about Poliziotesky's, this is about as dude happy as you can possibly get as far as like a genre goes. It's like right. it's like even the it's like there's I don't know if any of these films get close to passing the Bechdel test at all. Um, the gender representation is just pretty uh, pretty uh, skewed uh, right. for all of these. So. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to speaking roles by female characters, I mean, they're, they're mostly damsel in distress. Yeah, and usually they put them through a lot of distress. Yeah, to to put it lightly. Yes. Um, yeah, um, I, I think, yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad that at least they had, like, a 15-minute or 10-minute segment where they did talk about that. So it didn't go totally me, unmentioned. Uh, me that too. would not be a reason why you um like this genre for anyone i think uh, <laughs> um so yeah it was interesting to see just sort of how they they shoot the scenes i like the stuff about like live ammo and dubbing i think it's all pretty fascinating mm -hmm. so i do think uh so maybe this documentary if we were to talk about it for people that are interested in the genre maybe not something you should dive into first but maybe watch a few t films and then uh then take a look at it and it can sort of help you to frame the context and the style in which they were filming. Or skip the first 15 to 30 to maybe an hour 
no, no, and, and I okay. say that, and I say that because like afterwards she could actually hear what was happening and she got interested on okay. on, on, the, on the later stuff. So like it, it, again, that's more, I know I, I'm 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 being kind of a dick in the technical manner of of, of, fil of film structure. That's okay, but. Yeah. Uh, Although you're probably insulting one of the few uh, the few filmmakers that may actually ever listen to this podcast. Well, uh, what's the name of the uh, director? Mike Malloy. Mike Malloy, I appreciate that you made a documentary <laughs> about this to begin with because I don't think anyone has. So highly appreciate it. And as a filmmaker, you're probably much better than I than I will ever be. So all of these criticisms are more uh, feedback. So if you ever make another documentary about Polisteski to get people to excited to watch them. Yeah. Don't have a jerk off uh, session of an, an hour long jerk off session at the beginning for anyone who doesn't understand what Polisteski is. Okay. Um, <laughs> there you go. So there's some good segments on just sort of the style that they filmed. Um, and some of the, just the key players there. I mean, I'm happy that they made this because some so many of these actors are now getting old. Uh, I think they did this in 2012, so it's nice to get them before, frankly, they they die. Yeah. Uh, so we can sort of uh, put this in the canon. Uh, it's nice to have it so we have some insight into how this was done, and to have it in the English language too is is good. Okay, uh, so let's. Uh, I, I don't have too much more to say on the documentary, so let's talk a little bit more. Um, um, about the Polisioteski genre. Um, one of the things I asked us to do um, is to rank the Polisioteskis one to six, mm -hmm. or six to one, I should say. So uh, are you ready to sort of go through that list? Yep. Okay, so let's start with your number six. So the film that you liked the least. Mine was Italian Connection. Okay. Um, can you just give a quick blurb why? Uh, I, I think Italian Collection because uh, although it has all the really exciting things uh, a Polizetesky, meaning, mm -hmm. you know, you got the car chases, you got the stunts, you got the fights, you got the the attitude, you have all of that. And that's it. it okay. It, it, it's, it's the, the plot-wise is as simple as it gets. Uh -huh. uh, I mean, there's tw little twists, sure, but I'm saying it, it's it's almost like irrelevant. It's really just uh, the genre's uh, staples put into uh -huh. a movie. Okay, and that's, that's it. Okay, there you go. All right. So my number six, uh, and I I'm sorry to do this to the film because we're talking about it later, uh, is uh, Violent Naples. Um, be I like all of these films. These films were all picked by me, so I can handily recommend all six. Uh, but for me, uh, a lot of what you said actually would also describe Violent Naples. The plot is paper thin uh, and frankly kind of unimportant. Uh, it's kind of like almost a parody of a plot, to be honest. Uh, it's so vignette-y. Um, it has a lot of enjoyable moments, but uh, like as a film, I, I don't think it's particularly um, a great film. So mm. that's my number six. What about your number five? Violent Naples. There you go. Same reasons? Anything yep. to add? Okay. Uh, no, yeah, same reasons. Uh, I, I think I, I found it plot-wise, yes, it's also extremely simple, but I thought the execu execution of the plot was a little bit cleaner, so I was able to enjoy it a little bit more. 
Okay, there you go. Uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about some of the reasons I wanted to watch Violent Naples. Many of the reasons have to do with it sort of rounding out the Palizzi and showing some of these like mid to late era ones where it's like very copycat oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so my number five is Almost Human, uh, which is a film that I enjoy a lot of the aspects of it. Um, I don't know. Uh, for me, I think it works quite well as a character piece. It's also, for me, one of the tougher watches of these films, just because it's a little more depraved. So mm. um, I, I actually rank this a fair amount above Violent Naples, but um, yeah, it's not It's not probably in my top four. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And and that that's a good segue for my number four, which is Almost Human. Wow, okay. So we're, we're, <laughs> uh, we're basically, lining up quite closely. I, I mean, I thought as a, as a plot uh, was a little bit more interesting than the, the previous two that we talked about. But at Sorry. the same... Yes? Sorry, you cut out there for a second. What, what was that you were saying? Oh, so number four. Uh, that, uh, it's almost, it was almost human. Right, right. Reason being, uh, plot-wise, it's more interesting. It actually has a little bit more complexity, and better dialogue than uh, the, the previous two movies that we talked about. Uh, but it is a hard watch. And, um, so I'd, I'd say like it's comfortably at a four out of the movies we've seen. Got it. Okay, so for me, my number four was Street Law. Um, Street Law for me is quite fun. I think the soundtrack and stuff like that make it stand out. Very stylish in a, in a somewhat different way. And I think the lead performance is really strong. Um, mm -hmm. I just think it doesn't quite compare for me with the top three, uh, which I just find to be a little richer. Uh, and uh, you could also argue that some of the pro the uh, politics of street law and also violent Naples uh, make them tougher watches and sort of the 2020 sensibilities. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, well, <laughs> it's funny. So my number three is street law. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. We're uh, we're clearly the place we're going to find the most disagreement is Italian connection at this point. Um, yeah, I'm assuming that's your either one or two. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, my number three is um, Revolver. Uh, for me, this film is really good. I think it has the potential to almost be the best. I just find it to be slightly overlong, and it also doesn't quite have um, the same level of set pieces um, for some of the other films. But I think the performances, the acting is really good. I think it's probably the most uh, the most uh, depth and the, the most vivid characters of any of the films here. So mm -hmm. I can recommend it uh, for those reasons too. Um, really like this film. It's just, a, I feel like a, some of the pacing feels a little bit uh, long. Yeah, I can see that. Um, all right, well, so for number two, Caliber 9. There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is actually hard for me to pick between uh, two and one. Uh, Caliber 9, I actually... I mean, well, it was my first one, first movie of this genre that I've ever seen. Uh, but overall, I actually really enjoyed it. I think plot-wise, it actually was more complicated than... It had a plot that was intriguing and you sort of did have the twists and turns that uh, we're not expecting, nor was the plot very obvious. 
uh, and then it did have all the nice things that you would want from Politzetsky's, like to the set pieces, the uh, chases, the uh, uh, the attitude, uh, and it, it had Rocco. Yeah. So you know, I couldn't yeah. rate it anywhere anywhere lower than two. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, so in your list, at what point would you? not recommend the films would you recommend five out of the six and just not the the italian connection or four out of the six that's an interesting question because like it, it really depends on i i mean it, it depends on who whom i'm recommending the movie to okay uh, i would recommend all of them at some at some for, for some people uh, I mean, like, if you're a huge Tarantino fan, uh, you know, a huge fan of, like, pulpy shit, uh, then, yeah, watch all of them. These are all great. Uh, and, I mean, after watching the documentary, I definitely no noticed that you didn't pick anything too extremely fucked up. I mean, Almost Human is the most fucked up one. And even then, I, I would say it's too... Its level of, of being fucked up is lower than Clockwork Orange which is a classic. So, I mean, yeah. 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 You can find some where there's some, uh, 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 some, some body parts being removed. Um, some genitals being removed as well. So <laughs> yeah. I avoided those films. I, they tend to not be the ones I like the, the most. So, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, based on the documentary, I, I noticed that, uh, yeah, we avoided many, many, many fucked up stuff and uh so out of the stuff we watched i, I think they're they, they all are again if, if you're like a, a person who likes pulpy shit uh tarantino shit robert rodriguez shit all of them they're all yeah. they're all good they're all fun yeah i mean clearly that applies to uh myself here um so number two for me uh italian connection i okay. like this for the exact reasons you also didn't like it I feel like it's simple, but it's lean, it's mean, it's got a great performance. I love the action in it. Uh, I love the score in it. To me, a lot of the appeal of these uh, of these films uh, is kind of like the same appeal that someone might derive from a film like John Wick, which is mm. just a very simple movie. The appeal of it, they might make the plot complicated, but frankly, the plot doesn't matter. Um, sorry, uh, Nathaniel, um, but the plot just doesn't matter that much for some of these films. Um, uh, and uh, I think uh, it works really well for me. Um, I've seen that film a few times, and my appreciation for it has grown. So, um, and that's an, this is an interesting thing. As you said, we will be in disagreement a little bit, right? The comparison with John Wick would be fine because I mean, John Wick doesn't have a plot at all, right? It's like, oh, someone killed my dog. Now we're just gonna kill everyone. Uh, and, and that goes for three movies straight, basically. Um, my, my, my issue, I guess, with uh, this one is that though it has a very simple plot, it put, does put the fl uh, pl its plot in the forefront. Yes, it has action pieces, it has a bunch of other stuff, but the plot actually does drive the movie more than John Wick and i think that many of the set pieces some of them are fascinating but some of them to me were too long and boring so it it didn't have to me it didn't have enough to hold it hold it up in either side and i think that's maybe where we might disagree right like uh right yeah i mean for me the set pieces and stuff like that were almost um perfect 
so they worked just really well uh, for me. But it sounds like maybe not quite the case uh, for yourself, where maybe you preferred uh, the set pieces of some of the other films. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can chalk that up to personal preference. Um, I also, I mean, I agree. This this does have more of a plot. Uh, the plot's just very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, Violent Naples, I feel like that's almost, that's an interesting counterpoint to Italian Connection for me, just because, like, it, it, the plot is just, it has a plot, but it's so thin, and I feel like they just don't care about the plot at all when they're doing that film, <laughs> so, so, uh, that's kind of how I feel about that, um, but yeah, uh, so that's my number two, uh, you want to talk about your number one, Revolver? Yep, uh, I mean, so, Revolver, the reason I liked it, I liked it is because, I guess, you know, I, I am not a diehard fan of this genre. Uh, I will say that right away. Uh, Revolver was probably, the, the, the out of all this movie, the one that most moved away from some of the cliches this genre has and experimented with other things. It felt greater. You had more uh, quiet t- moments. You had a little bit more of a ambiance that the other movies didn't give you. The other movies were always just high pace. Uh, there was no time to breathe and, and, and sort of really gather what's happening. Also, Revolver had more of a... I don't know, it almost felt deeper. And I mean, you could say it's clunkier because of that, but uh, I, I, I liked it. I liked, I liked the risk, actually, uh, behind yeah. Revolver. That's interesting, because I almost feel like maybe I degrade Revolver slightly because it doesn't uh, follow along to the accords of the genre quite as much, whereas that might actually upgrade the film for you. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, for me, it like leaves Italy and stuff like that. There's some scenes that are almost out of a Western where they're outside in the French Alps. It's like, give me just my urban, grimy crime, um, and I'll be satisfied. So uh, maybe that's just sort of uh, uh, where we differ on those. Um, no doubt uh, a really good film um so yeah so my number one um is caliber nine uh which i think is a great film um mm-hmm. it's it's also a more complicated plot i think it also cares more about its plot than some of these other films um but it's well executed it's got a bang-in score it's got a great uh, beginning and end uh, there's a reason why i started with the film because i i wanted you to enjoy the film i wasn't going to start up with anything overly weird or or different um to, to begin with so um so yeah i i think we probably see relatively eye to eye on caliber nine yeah yeah i agree yeah okay um so uh let's talk any last thoughts about the genre i think one of the things that i wanted to discuss real fast um is i think one thing that harms this genre and we think about uh the different italian genres that have taken off um spaghetti westerns obviously have and uh, giallos um, to, to somewhat of an extent too, uh, even if you haven't seen too many of those. And I think one of the reasons that I can think of for that is that um, those, fil- those two genres have more films that sort of like are really trying uh, to be sort of masterpieces, genre masterpieces to some extent, stuff like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Once Upon a Time in the West uh, from Sergio Leone for uh, the Spaghetti Westerns and things like uh, maybe a few of the Dario Argento films for Giallo. And uh, I don't know that this genre really has that. Um, Most all of its films run on well under two hours um, and they're more or less just like trying to to bang them out and 
for me that's enjoyable but i also don't know if there's any films that i would like truly put amongst the greats from this genre yeah i mean this is a factory genre from i mean and, and granted I'm, I'm making the, this opinion based on um uh the documentary we, we watched it, it, it's clearly something that you, you know uh the producers wanted to just keep on cranking out i to me actually one thing that i did enjoy of the genre is um um, that caught my attention that which the good the bad and the ugly wouldn't have giallo probably wouldn't either or you know the, the classic italian horrors or, or fucking even maybe fellini well i don't know fellini I don't, but i mean <laughs> but one thing i i found interesting about this genre is that they are you know they're, they're kind of like blockbusters they are you know quickly made ideas to just you know make money but the directors did bother to put a little bit of their flair a little bit of politics a little bit of discussions in all of them even the most paper thin one has a little bit of that um you get a little taste of uh, almost you get you you kind of get an idea of of you know how each city is you know you, naples like as soon you, within by whether it's violent Naples or other ones, you know, that's a really violent city, you know, uh, Genoa, it's like, well, you kind of have a little bit of both. Uh, Milan, it's a wealthy city. Right. Uh, and, and, and I mean, just by watching these movies, you, you almost feel like, I mean, you're not learning history per se, but you're learning the, uh, the emotions that probably the average Italian person was having living in Italy in the 70s, which from what it sounds like was almost a failed state <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of crime <laughs> we'll, we'll talk well, about that when we talk about violent naples uh, sure sorry go yeah. ahead no no yeah but i mean like doing especially like doing a wrap-up of, of of since we're kind of doing a little bit of the wrap-up for politicetskis it it, it it feels to me that uh, or it seems to me that these type of movies do have that benefit that because they're grounded in, in, in Italian cities, they are grounded in what's happening. They're grounded in the police. You get to appreciate the struggles, you know, like uh, they are like Dirty Harry, sure, but they, they're different. Like that, you hear more about the Italian politics a bit. And uh, you could not, you could not have that within uh, Italian Western at all. You cannot. Right. Because, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's actually a, um, a a few of these where they decided to film it in America, and I'm always so disappointed when I see those because, like, I love the Italian locations here, like the urban crime ones. So, for me, I didn't pick any of those films. I didn't come close to picking any of those films because I personally like it when they're like it much more when they're set in Italy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and, um, and they probably could get away with a lot more guerrilla filming. Oh yeah, I mean that's touched on a little bit in the documentary where they talk about trying to film in San Francisco and running into troubles because they didn't have permits. Um, but yeah, the stolen shots were certainly a big thing. Um, yeah, uh, one of the, I mean, it, to conclude some last thoughts here, it's like one of the things that's really strong here is like the floor for these films is really good. Like even the worst ones are still pretty entertaining. Um, and I think a lot of it is just because like 
the uh, you think about some of the ingredients that go into making these. It's like setting the table. It's like, oh, toss in some great composers, a little bit of Marconi, uh, some great chases, some great settings. It's like just filming in Rome or Milan or Genoa or mm. uh, Naples. It's like fantastic. Uh, toss in some car chases where you don't need to get permits and you have some great stunt drivers and stuff like that. It's like that's all you need. Uh, you can you can make something very enjoyable and entertaining with just that. Um, so uh, add some story and stuff like that, and it's good. So it's kind of like they're starting with a really nice, like they're setting the table really well. It's kind of a stacked deck to even start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it, in a way, it's funny. That's why I compare it a little bit to blockbusters, uh, because I mean, however much crap you can say about many action films. Like Marvel films, that uh, would be an example. However much crap you can say about them, they're still fun to watch. Yeah, and 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 it has to do with uh, the formula. Uh, there, there's a very clear formula. You got you got the car chase. You got a little bit of your violence. You got the settings, as you said. You got yeah. all of that. Yeah, you watch some poor, dirty, hairy imitations. It's, you're pretty good to go. Yeah, and and, and the seventy scores. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question for you. Um, uh, so in terms of like what you think the genre should be called, uh, they call it here actually in the documentary Eurocrime um, in the title. Um, do you like that or Poliziotesky more? I like Poliziotesky more. Okay. Um, uh, my, my, my issue with Eurocrime is that it, it implies bigger than Italy. And sure, the production companies were coming from, you know, Spain and, uh, and you know, Germany, and even fucking Turkey. Uh, so a bunch of European countries, sure. Mm. However, the basis, the, except for Revolver, the basis in all these movies is Italy. It's right. from Italy with Italians. I mean, I mean, the actors are from everywhere, but Italian characters, Italian expressions, uh, and 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 if you tell me you're a crime, I'm gonna think of you know French, German. yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Your your reasoning is almost identical to mine, so I'm not gonna even add to that. Uh, I think Euro crime is misleading. Uh, when I heard that, I had no idea it meant Italy only. Uh, so uh, I agree. Uh, Palizzo Teschi's I prefer mainly because of the heavy flaws of hero crime um all right so just real quickly for people that do want to dive more into the genre um i am going to just rattle off a couple quick recommendations here um so Inyaki, you can tune out if you want um i will recommend uh the big racket from enzo g castellari uh, i almost chose this film uh instead of street law but i decided i wanted to show um sort of the more simple story of street law more it's kind of like dirty dozen meets uh sort of like shakedown uh mob politics uh fun film lots of good action um for people that liked revolver i would recommend the films of damiano damiani uh sort sort of like um uh, sergio salima the director of revolver he's more interested in uh tackling more societal issues and stuff like that. So for someone like Inyaki, I would probably recommend his films more. 
Uh, he did a number of Euro, uh, Poliziotesky films. So uh, just check out any of those. Um, Confessions of a Police Captain is a good one, sort of that really does dive deeper into sort of police corruption and stuff like that um, in, in Italy and how uh, morals and stuff like that have to be compromised. Just operates at a deeper, more character-based uh, level than a lot of the other films in the genre. A um, couple other good ones, uh, Execution Squad, um, and that's sort of like a good vigilante one that actually takes its politics in a pretty centrist manner. Um, and one subgenre we did not tackle is um, the, uh, from what I can gather here, Italians during this time period really didn't trust rich kids at all. So uh, really didn't trust rich kids. We're in a time here in America where I don't know if I trust rich kids either. So if you want to see some rich kids committing crimes and then getting punished by Dirty Harry style detectives, check some of those films out too. Um, all right. Uh, so let's move on to uh, uh, the. Hey, but wait, 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 wait. wait. You, yeah, yeah. you made a big statement here. So what's wrong with rich kids in in the U.S.? They're the future oh. of America. <laughs> well, I'm thinking more of the adult rich kids that uh, may or may not be um, uh, 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 under our uh, the president's kids. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, okay, got uh, it. I don't got know it. who you were thinking of, uh, but kids that, in that's power. pretty much, I, I had one person in mind. Uh, his name ends with Junior. Um, so. All right. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to move on to Violent Naples? Yep. Okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. So here, 1976. This is the latest film uh, that we've done. Uh, so uh, the furthest along in the cycle of Italian crime films. Uh, the synopsis is a police inspector, played by Maurizio Merli, and his undercover agents attack organized crime in Naples. Good description, bad description? No, it's a good description. All right. Um, it was a pretty successful film, grossed over two billion lira, um, very much based off of the Dirty Harry. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, it's directed by Umberto Lindsay. Uh, one of the things the documentary touched on is just sort of the speed uh, and the copycat nature that the uh, genre went through. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting because this film you can clearly trust the lineage back. So you could track it all the way back to French Connection in 1971, uh, which was then uh, made heavily inspired uh, into High Crime, which is made by Enzo G. Castellari. And then they talk about how they wanted to uh, sort of take that character uh, and make it into something else, but the leads didn't want to. So they literally took the guy they could find that looked the most similar to Francis Nero, uh, Franco Nero, and made Violent Rome. And then Violent Naples is the second film in that series. So within a span of five years, uh, you have a bunch of uh, just spin-offs from one another. Um, so the genre just moved extremely quickly in that sort of way. Mm -hmm. um, another interesting thing, uh, Almost Human, also directed by uh, Umberto Lindsay, was 1974. That was his second Poliziotesky. This film came out in 1976, and in that time, uh, he made a bunch more. So this was his seventh Poliziotesky. So he's really cranking them out. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a lot. Yeah, um, so 
the longer synopsis, there's almost no point in going into this. This is almost just like a string of, of different crimes shown in ways that they tried to make highly entertaining. Um, the <laughs> film basically starts with him. Uh, and actually, this is a sort of recreation of, of a scene we had. Uh, when we were making the Film to Film podcast, you said, all right, I'll do this under one condition. If you give me your resignation letter and for me to put in a drawer. So if stuff goes sideways, uh, we'll have an out. So that's basically how we started this podcast. And uh, <laughs> that's how this film starts with uh, the police inspector, Inspector Betty, dropping off his uh, pre-written resignation letter to his superior. So he's like, you can just fire me anytime you want. Here's my resignation letter. Um, <laughs> which is kind of a hilarious way to start the film. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's smart. Basically, the guy's like, I'm going to be killing bad guys whether I'm a cop or not. Yeah. <laughs> so after cleaning up Rome, uh, he goes to, to Naples. Um, and I think that is one of the cool things about this film is the setting in Naples. So Naples, this is the only film we watched that is mainly set in um, southern Italy. Uh, what was your uh, impression of Naples? Well, looks like it's a very violent city <laughs> uh, where um, where the police is basically non-existent. I mean, well, that, that's a common thing in the genre, but in the, especially in this one where, uh, you know, they're talking about the protection rackets. And I mean, this one, this movie made me look up Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, what the, what's a protection racket? I like... Protection rackets usually only exist in places where the, the police presence doesn't is not there, so it sort of work in, works as protecting businesses from other people, and sometimes from the racket itself. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, so I mean, this movie made, made me feel that you know Naples doesn't look like a very safe place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, even from its title, you, you wouldn't think that, oh, yeah, Naples, nice, nice place to go. Uh, so uh, <laughs> in this film, um, I listed all the significant crimes I could come up with, and it pretty much filled my entire notepad up. Um, there were 23 crimes in total. There were seven robberies, three kidnappings, four attempted murders, which were unsuccessful, and six actual murders. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, on, on that note, um, on a scale of one to 10, how badly do you want to go to, uh, 1976 Naples? Depends on the food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the food's excellent. Yeah. I don't know. I might still go. <laughs> just, just have to pay, just have to pay a, a gangster to protect me. You, you might have to. <laughs> um... Okay. Uh, you? I, How about you, James? I mean, yeah, I would go. I would try to trust very anonymously. anonymously. I'd be very worried about getting kidnapped after watching this film. Well, but who was... Like, in the movie, it almost seems like everyone who got kidnapped was someone important. That's true. Uh, uh, although the woman gets kidnapped at the beginning and... Uh, uh, um, just because she was wealthy, I think. Well, but she, she the the first the, the one who the the when when they go into that house, her house, like her and her husband's house. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it seemed like he, the husband had uh, was doing deals with the mafia, and he or he had given them a car, but the car had had an alarm. Oh, was he? I don't know. I wasn't sure about that one. Um, yeah, they, okay. because, they, yeah. When they, when they get they're in the car, they're like they all they're basically like uh, they're like kind of like fuck you for giving us that car with the alarm. You know, that's how they got they caught us. Uh, and the guy's like ah. Shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought I, they I, were I, just. Hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean that, that's what. At least that's what um, I understood, and I mean, and also that's why like the guy didn't even report his wife missing at first. Okay, eh, it makes sense. Sure, sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, I mean, Naples, the city, is showcased. I think pretty well in this film. Uh, like some of the streets and stuff like that. I think those are things Naples is famous for, so like their traffic and stuff like that. So it's fun to see that. Um, we, I think my favorite um, sort of action sequences here um, involve the, uh, the, the, some of the car work or the motorcycle work more properly here um, with uh, a person uh, speeding around Naples uh, in pre-GoPro time. So I miss a little bit of uh, what you were saying. It got cut off. Could you repeat oh, that? I was just saying, saying that uh, I think one of my, of my favorite action sequences here involved the uh, motorcycle um, and just uh, speeding around Naples uh, in, in that way. Uh, so I don't know. What did you make of... Did you have any favorite action scenes? What did you think of the, uh, the motorcycle, motorcycle scenes? The motorcycle scenes were fascinating, uh, especially because... Um, they they use really good camera. Uh, they they place the camera in really cool places uh, areas. I mean, you, you have the the wheel the, the wheel view of, of the motorcycle as the motorcyclist is doing some dangerous stunts. Like he's not doing you know he's he's going he he's he's very close to hitting many cars. I mean, the, the image obviously sped up a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised that. At any moment, they could have died. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, you know they're definitely doing that. There's exactly. Like, there's like zero chance of any special effects or anything like that there. I mean, well, there is a special effect. The image is sped up a little bit. Okay, sure, sure, sure. But, I, I mean, like, of anything more significant than that. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and especially after learning that they did a lot of guerrilla, guerrilla uh, filming, I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of shots were... Uh, the the camera is like you have the wheel view, the yeah the wheel view of 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 the motorcycle. I wouldn't be surprised that those were guerrilla shots. Some of them, especially at the roundabouts uh, where he's just cutting people off. I, it, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, uh, you're probably right. Um, undoubtedly right. Um, for me, those are some of my favorite um, chases throughout the film. Just. Uh, I feel like a lot of this film, it's more just like appreciating uh, sort of the, the the good stuff in there. There's one way to look at this genre where you're just sort of looking at, um, I was talking earlier about just sort of the quality music, um, the settings and the car chases. One other thing this genre does is it eliminates just a ton of the fat here. Um, there's like no romance, nothing like that really in this film, nothing even close to that. So, and it pretty much just gives you straight unadulterated, uh, crime after crime and person finding crime. And, you know, it, I think it does get a little old by the end of it. The, there's a reason why I ranked the sixth, 
But if you're just trying to show all the stuff that like fans of this genre want to see, I feel like you get a ton of that in this film. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I guess this one is the one that I I enjoyed because it was. If we were to go into the whole comparison with John Wick, to me, this was the John Wick. I think you're right. I think this is closer to John Wick uh, than Italian Connection. It's like, I don't think in either John Wick or this, they care about the central plot. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I just want to give you... Go ahead. I mean, like, the, maybe the only plot point that they might add, might have had, you could say, is the little, the little kid. Right. But even then, not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not really. I mean, he kind of just pops up. I feel like it's just handling like four or five different plot lines at the same time. Doesn't particularly care about any of them more than the others. Um, and they just kind of runs their course until all of the, uh, of the perpetrators get brought to justice. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Um, for me, the coolest scene is the motorcycle. Uh, I feel like this scene just this film just has a lot of like cleverness in it. It's like they just clearly focused all of their energy on making uh, these sequences, like trying to speed, like commit a robbery ten minutes before your parole, and then rushing through Naples across the city uh, to report and use the police as your alibi. I don't know how the hell they came up with that, but great idea. I mean, really, yeah, no, fantastic sure. idea. A great excuse to show these scenes. Uh, so, and uh, what did you make of the um, of the uh, the motorcycle chase that ended up going onto the gondola? Is that a gondola? I thought that was a funicular. Was, you're right, not a gondola, a funicular. Thank you. You are correct. Uh, uh, the, I mean, no, that was a great uh, scene in general. I mean. Going from motorcycle to foot chase to uh, to the to the jumping onto the funic the moving funicular, and then the mur the the killing of that woman at the brutal. funicular, which is brutal, brutal um, and creative at the same time. Uh, all all of that worked out really well. Um, it's funny because like going into the whole plot thing. It, none of that mattered. <laughs> like it could have all begun at the be. Uh, it could have, the guy could have shot him at the very beginning, and then it'd be over. Yeah, it was all just kind of a side plot too. I yeah. mean, like it's not even the main villain, but it's definitely the most exciting chase, uh, more exciting than the finale by a long shot. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, which I think it's a theme in this genre, maybe except for Italian Connection. Uh, Caliber 9, too. Mm, Caliber 9. Uh, that's a lie. A lot of them. Because also the, the finale of... Um, uh, street. The, uh, the, the, yeah, Street Law. Well, Street Law, actually, the better action sequences were in the middle, too. So, I don't know. You could make the case for some of them. Um, but this one, definitely the case. It's almost like they ran out of money, so they're just like, alright, just shoot them at the end. Yeah. Fair. Uh, um, so, uh, all right. Well, let's talk a bit about uh, Maurizio Murley, uh, who played the lead here, um, who was originally cast uh, in his breakout role in Violent Rome, 
because of he looked a lot like Franco Nero of Street Law, who is a much bigger star, who's still around today. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, he, he is in John Wick, Franco Nero. Um, and so what did you uh, what did you think of Maurizio Marley? What was your impression of him? He was a great Franco Nero. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think a lot of characters uh, do blend with each other. Um, like between him, Franco Nero, and um, I mean, yeah, he was just a great Franco Nero. Like he, he's very self righteous, violent, and. Um, and believes in uh, street law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like Franco Nero is a little slighter than uh, Maurizio Merli, so it almost makes Merli better at these sort of like tough cop roles where he just mm. like brutalizes everyone around. Um, I feel like Nero is just like one hundred thousand percent a better performer uh, with a lot more range than Merli is. But when you're talking about just these dirty Harry style type roles where it's almost like more fun to just like dial everything to the top and just go ridiculous, uh, Merle is, is great. I, I agree, actually. Um, I, one of the things I was thinking is how Nero almost looks like a... He looks like more of your normal guy, your common guy with the mustache. Nero looks like a blonde version of Ned Flanders. As I mentioned in our last, uh, when we talked about uh, street law, <laughs> yeah. uh, like he, he seems like, you know, your average guy with a big mustache, uh, as for this guy, he seems like a corrupt cop, uh, <laughs> uh, the cop that will, uh, I, I cannot p- picture Nero jumping onto the, uh, funicular as it's moving. This guy, he's yeah. definitely slicker. He, he's also known to do his own stunt. So he probably did that himself. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have heard this comparison before. I wish I could take credit for it, but um, someone compared him to uh, Ron Burgundy, and that is hard to unsee, let me tell you. Hmm. Um, and it's almost like they're, they, they're, he's at the point where he's so over-the-top, like, violent, that he... Like, the politics of this film almost doesn't bother me that much, uh, just because it's, like, so satirical of itself. Uh, it just goes so far in that direction that it just doesn't even really bother me. Um, and it sort of verges, for verges on comedy in the way that Ron Burgundy does, too. Anyways, go mm-hmm. ahead. And I have a question on... I feel like maybe you rated this movie the lowest because you've seen so many Politsiteskis. Okay. Uh, the reason, because you, you have made comparisons between this one and a bunch of other ones that I haven't seen, and probably given that this one came out in 76, at that point, you know all the, all the cliches. So is it possible that it's just like, you just saw a cliche after cliche after cliche, and you're like, ah, I've seen okay. this better. Is that possible? It's certainly possible. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I, this is like, um, I don't want to call it a guilty pleasure, but it's just like a easy, easy watch for me. It just hits so many of the genre tropes and cliches that it's almost like, 
I don't know. It, it just doesn't have a lot of a lot more other than those things, and it does mm-hmm. those things very well for me. But uh, and I enjoy it for those reasons because it's like so ingrained in the genre. Um, but it does make it a little less fresh for me too. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, I haven't seen as many movies, so for me, I was like, I, I just enjoyed it for probably the same reasons I enjoyed all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you overall enjoyed this movie uh, somewhat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any other um, things you wanted to highlight? I feel like a lot of the um, aspects of the film are just sort of its clever set pieces and, and things that it comes up with. Um, I have a couple on my list, but it, I was wanted to see if you had anything to toss out there. Um... I mean the motorcycle escape. I wrote. That's what I wrote. Wrote down. Um, I do find. <laughs> I mean, going on to the concept of of looking at this movie in our current times, it it <laughs> felt it it felt very much like a Blue Lives Matter movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were literally scenes where, you know, a journalist is asking about. Asking the the main guy like, "Hey, so you know, was this, was the guy the guy who was killed? He was on the like he was was he like doing his job the way he's supposed to, or did he put himself in danger for you know blah blah blah?" And the guy's like, "Oh, he was the pay, he was he was protecting you. He was doing the job to protect you." X amount of police officers died just uh, died just so you can write those obi- obituaries, <laughs> something like that. So I was like, it was screaming to me, "Blue lives matter." <laughs> yeah a hundred percent yeah i mean like the criticism of the press and stuff like that it's not difficult to read uh sort of blue lives matter slash even fascist overtones in this film yeah De- yeah it definitely blue lives matter at least yeah more than yeah. more than street law for example yeah street law is a little it's not subtle but it's more subtle than this well no, it's a street street law. I put more on the fascist area. Area as for this one, it's I, I make the distinction uh, of fascist versus blue lives matter in the sense that like they, they both have the fa- fascist element of you know uh, uh, each person a man has to be a manly man who uh, will gain vengeance through any means and kill the bad guys because there are bad guys and the man has to be a hero. And, and that's kind of like the fascist element, right? Uh, of like black and white, good and evil, you got to be the hero uh, or die trying. Uh, but, but then the Blue Lives Matter that here it felt like a lot of Blue Lives Matter concept is that here is that the police are victims. So not only the police are these superheroes, but they're victims of the system, um, which the other movie doesn't have because the other movie, the police, are, uh, 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 street law, the, the cops are part of the bullshit. Here, the cops are actually the good guys, 100%. You know, that's a very good point in a movie that doesn't deserve uh, such in-depth political and analysis from you. So thank you, Inyaki. <laughs> you you really have a low uh, a, a low point of view of this movie. I think this movie is just trying to entertain you with and and have some of these uh, uh, these fun blue lives matter bits in it. But no, I think you're right. I, I you put a lot more thought into that than I ever would. So uh, yeah. Uh, on that note, are you pro bowling ball murder or anti pro bowling ball murder? 
I thought it was an interesting uh, way of killing somebody. Um, I really liked the sound effect of it. Uh, there was a squishy sound uh, that made it satisfying. But the makeup after that was not very good. Uh, so <laughs> I was just... You mean the gore makeup? Yeah. Okay. I actually kind of enjoyed the gore makeup. I, I, can't, I can't defend it and say it was good, but uh, it was it, very red. It was very red. Uh, I, I liked, it's funny because I did like the squishy sound. I almost feel like had they just shown maybe uh, the blood like running through the gutter, uh, the, the gutter would have been more interesting and, and almost like have you fill in the, the, uh, the, the, basically the pieces of brain or something. <laughs> yeah, I think they also probably should have like shown the person throwing the bowling ball a little bit harder uh, to cause that much carnage, but oof, that's a I, I pretty bad way to go out. I, I think he threw it hard enough. Like if okay. you if you throw a bowling ball, like even a regular bowling ball throw is like probably what like forty thirty miles an hour. The ball weighs. 15 pounds. I mean, you, you know more physics than I do, but the inertia probably will break your skull. It's true. Uh, we should suggest this to uh, Physics 121 at the UW, uh, University of Washington, see if they want to add a bowling ball murder scene death uh, to their uh, final exam. That would be fascinating. Maybe even show, show the scene and then have the <laughs> professor ask, like, yeah. what velocity will, uh, was the ball... Uh, 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 and what yeah. velocity was the ball going? What's the level of acceleration? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, okay. So you know, so Washington faculties, take yeah. note. That's one for you. That one's for the educators out there. High school physics, we got you covered. Um, so, this is what this podcast is about. It's about the children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, any other um, clever scenes you want to highlight um, besides those? Um, well, I mean, you, you talked about the, you, we talked about the chase with the ending at the funicular. Um, yeah, I do have the bowling ball kill, uh, kill. I, I do like the weird irony with the child, <laughs> which is awful that the movie has. Yeah. Where, where, you know, you have the kid was, pr it would prank cars. I mean, you, they establish that the city has terrible traffic. And then you have this kid who was pretending to be, uh. Uh, who pretends to have some physical disability and then uh, at the end he literally does have a physical disability yeah speaking of scenes where they would never do that in 2020 I don't uh, yeah did I mean, you also I, I, I don't why wouldn't they do that in 2020 oh I don't know I feel like they don't have that same sort of uh, humor uh, were you question were you watching the Italian version or the English dub I did half and half. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's your recommendation, having done half and half? I think they both are fine. Okay. What about you? I, uh, I think I watched it with the Italian version when I initially saw this film, but I saw it with the English version this time. Okay, what's your recommendation? Uh, uh, probably the same as you. I don't mind the dubs, but if you're someone that really gets put off by the dubs, watch the Italian version. Um, I, I, I'm very used to Italian dubbing by, at this point, so it doesn't bother me. Well, and it's, the English dubs are done really well. And, and after all, as you mentioned before, like 
they are in it. <laughs> they, the Italian is dubbed anyways, so yeah, they're dubbed that, regardless of what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, one of the leads here is also a couple of the leads are actually American actors as well. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts of the uh, Eurocrime documentary, where it was uh, when Antonio Sabato, uh, aka the guy in the pink shirt, just like starts going at the dubbing actors, <laughs> where he's like, yeah. oh, he's like, I don't want. It's like they're. Uh, he starts dubbing them. He calls them like not real actors. Uh, he says they only do that because they have ugly faces. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it was it was pretty funny actually. It's kind of a dick. Oh, he's a total dick. I mean, there's <laughs> at one point where he's talking about the director of this film, Umberto Lindsay, where in one sentence he's like, "I don't want to say bad things." One sentence later, he was a bad human being. <laughs> 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 so, yep. it's uh, kind of funny just to see him he's one of the more entertaining pieces too bad we didn't see any of his films uh, during this series um, was, he, uh, was he good? he is uh, he's like an over actor so oh. I personally enjoy him uh, but uh, but he's, he's always dialed up to 11 alright not a subtle actor at all even for the genre Hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing to go back to your earlier point about the kid is like, did you notice how the first time he, he, uh, uh, the kid crosses the street by pretending to be crippled, he gets shouted at. It's like they should put you in jail. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed at that too. I thought that was funny. As he, as the cop is like, watch out, kid. <laughs> yeah. The the cop is just amused. Ah, man. Yeah, no, it, it, it was a funny, uh, I mean, it's ironic, again, that the kid ends up being uh, handicapped. But what do you think of the child actor? Uh, I don't know. He's fine. No, no strong opinions. What did you think of him? I, I thought he was bad. But I mean, again, that's kind of mean to judge a child actor. <laughs> yeah. He was probably bad. He's no Dakota Fanning. Exactly. Yeah. Or, uh, what's a, what's the one that is like now chubby? Um, the Sixth Sense Kid? Oh, uh, not Macaulay Culkin. Uh, who is the Sixth Sense Kid? Uh, Malcolm Crow. Or Haley Joe Osment. There you go. Yeah, Joe Osment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's it's a pretty small role too. I mean, it was one of many uh, small roles here. But um, it, it's it's one of the ones that is supposed to be. Uh, I mean, if if there are like in this movie, there, uh, as you mentioned, you know, mo most of, most of the scenes are you know set pieces and fun right. action pieces. But if there is one area where the movie was trying, <clears throat> in my opinion, sort of failing to make a, an emotional connection. Like uh, to make you feel anything but you know blood rushing from the action, it was the killing of the kid's dad and the kid becoming handicapped. Okay, you know. I mean, I agree. yeah. I mean, it kind of works, but it mostly doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I so think I it, it, it's an opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, yeah. Um, another thing of note, uh, this was written by Vincenzo Manino, who is actually known a lot for more horror films, especially some really sleazy ones, 
So mm. New York Ripper, House on the Edge of the Park, uh, two films which I actually enjoy quite a bit personally, but are um, extreme in the sleaze factory. Um, so perhaps those uh, this is a predecessor to it in terms of like a couple of the murder scenes, such as the bowling ball and the uh, the head going out of the um, funicular. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, did you? Uh, uh, one other performer I wanted to note too was John Saxon, uh, who is both in the Eurocrime documentary as well as in this film. Uh, he is an American actor. He plays um, not the main mob boss, but the one that ends up being targeted for assassination at the end. Uh, what was your impression of him? Did he uh, stand out at all? I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen him in American movies. Wasn't he in? Uh... Yeah. Wasn't he the dad in Nightmare of Elm Street? Like one of the dads in Nightmare of Elm Street? He is indeed. Good call. Um, he recently passed away, I think within the past month. Um, oh. He's in that documentary. Um, the funny part is he is the sheriff in Black Christmas. And right. he is he's also the sheriff slash dad in Nightmare on Elm Street. So yeah. playing these small town sheriffs. The funny part is he's in a ton of these Italian movies, but he's usually playing gangsters. So... The small town sheriffs uh, don't necessarily translate to um, police jobs in uh, 1970s, suddenly. Interesting. I wonder what that says about uh, what Italian people see uh, <coughs> suburban sheriffs, how, how they see them. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I feel like his role here is kind of meh, but I, I do like him in general. I'm always happy to see him in films. I mean, he he definitely has a presence. Um, okay. Uh, um, any last thoughts on uh, even yeah. even here? He didn't do much, but he had a like you. As soon as you see him, you're like, okay, this guy might be important. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he has good presence. He's probably the best actor in the whole film, um, considering <laughs> Merrily is like good at at this sort of role, but probably not a great actor. I thought. Um, I mean, I thought the uh, the bad guy, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Captain, uh, El, El Comandante. Uh -huh. I thought I thought he was pretty. Uh, okay, that is uh, Barry Sullivan, also an American actor. Uh, so you picked out a couple of the Americans there, um, who was in a lot of films. He's definitely getting up there in age uh, for this film, but. Yeah, I mean, he was good. I feel like he didn't even have too many scenes, but he basically uh, was the big bad in the film. Uh, I mean, he, he did that great. Yeah, uh, he, I, mean, I mean, he was he was subtle, threatening, uh, but also um, civilized. Uh, I think all the things that I like to see on a, on my villains. Yeah, I mean, almost sort of a good translation from a film noir villain from two decades earlier, uh, age 20 more years or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, yeah. and, and he, has, he gets the best kill. Uh, definitely. Or unless you're partial to the funicular one. Or the second best kill. Well, he gets the most creative kill because the funicular is creative in the sense that we don't see funiculars very often. Yeah. But I mean, as a child, you're always told to not stick your head out of the window of a car because that may happen. <laughs> Do you think they should start showing this as like the cautionary tale of like head out the window? Uh, yeah, of course. Great school. Like, you know, first graders or kindergartens like, hey, kids, here's why you don't stick your head out the window. Although uh, a, a better one would be uh, hereditary. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Jesus. That, yeah, both both of those. <laughs> uh, that's the one-two punch right there. <laughs> um, another funny part I thought was I thought it was funny how they uh, you know when they originally get John Saxon's character Capuano uh, in Genoa and they bring him back to Napoli. Yeah. For some reason, they made him take the bus. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny that they make this really rich guy take the bus all the way back to Naples. Um, uh, Maybe it was uh, more. Uh, there was less less of a chance of people knowing. That's know. this probably what the reasoning is, but yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I uh, I I don't have any more thoughts on this film. Do you have anything else? Well, out of all the movies we've watched, this is the only time I saw a woman kicking some ass, which was actually uh, very refreshing in this genre. What part are you referring to? Aha! Uh, <laughs> this was uh, in one of the sting operations that they do, so uh, and where they catch um, the first set of kidnappers. You know, the, the kidnappers that uh, kidnapped uh, the other guy's wife and raped her and all that. Um, so if there's one moment where you would say like innocent people were about to be killed or so people thought they were innocent was that couple, right? There's a couple men and women. They go into the bar where the kidnappers uh, usually hang out, call, pa- uh, call the parents to say, oh, we're, uh, we're super late, but really they're just gonna like make out at like some, some area. Kidnappers get there, they get this couple out, and that's when the woman just like punches the one of the kidnappers and I think kicks him in the balls. Oh, you're right, and, yeah. And then uh, the other guy is like punching the kidnappers too, and it's like, oh, they're cops. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, if, if your universe was just Politzitetskis, or at least the one movies I've seen, you're like, wait, women can fight? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, and then she's totally out of the movie two seconds later. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, and, and then Betty comes and uh, like we see some carnage. Yeah, that's that's the point where the guy gets like he's trying to climb over the fence and then he like falls back and he gets basically skewered. Yeah, his his face gets in, impaled. Yeah, that uh, was that was maybe the third best murder scene. Third best death. Yeah, that one was not a murder. The man, no, it wasn't uh, a murder. Yeah, yeah. The man, the man was just—he was a criminal. He deserved to die. Well, no, but also like that was not intentional. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, you can't even blame that one. I'm pretty sure you could drum up a bunch of excessive force charges against Betty in this film, but that may not have been one of them. No, I mean, sure, the punching, sure, but but I mean, the guy running away, and then you know, tripping on. While while running away, tripping and getting skewered, that that was. Uh, th- there's no proximate cause. That was you know in, an intervening event, that right. made him die. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Anything else? Um. Let's see. I mean, I'm looking at my notes right now. Um. I mean, I I if. if out of all these movies, this is probably the only one where I saw, uh, out of the ones we you shared, where we actually saw uh, some police strategy, some that actually we've discussed in this podcast before. 
uh, especially, I think we're, we discussed this in uh, the, the previous one, in Almost Human, you know how I, I kind of talked about how the detectives did a shit job and that's really why they didn't catch the bad guy. Here, they actually were doing things that I said they should do. Like, they have undercover cops. Like, this, this movie is, has tons of undercover cops. Yeah, it's also um, the first Poliziotesque you've watched with police as the main protagonist. That's true. That's true. Um, and so, I mean, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, how even how they communicate with the undercover cops. Like, the guy goes into the grimy bars, punches some guy, you know, like, he's, like, searching him, doing a routine search or whatever, and then punches him. But as he punches, he's like, hey, hey. Where's, uh, do you get any new info? No, no, I don't have anything yet. Okay. And then, you know, it's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know? Uh, I-, I thought that was kind of enjoyable. You're right. That is kind of interesting. It's different than the other ones we've watched. You're right. It does probably have more of a in-depth undercover um, circuit. Uh-huh. Although it, it shows you how miserable it fa- uh, all of that failed because every single undercover cop gets ruined. Except yeah, for mean, that literally... woman and the other guy. Right, you literally there's like two or three cops that uh, get killed in this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which this is why kids, uh, blue lives matter. You know, they're they're uh, they're a minority, just like everyone, all the other minorities. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Except the the Italian cops don't even wear blue. Oh, what what is the color they wear again? Actually, I don't know. There's a lot of undercover cops here, so there's not a lot of um, police uniform wearing. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think they probably wear blue. Oh, maybe... Maybe suits. Maybe, like, dark... Maybe black suits. Well, let's see. Uh, so... Well, now I'm, now I'm looking at this. Um, well, the, so the national police, the Carabinieri's, I think they wear black. Um, but then the local police, I don't know if they have uh, their own colors. Let's see. Um, oh, I got a, the, 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 the website for Naples Police, Florida. Naples, Florida. Little different. All right. Well, I have two last questions for you, Nyaki. Um, if you were to rate this film, how would you rate it? Uh, I, I mean, I would say like I would have this. Wait, we talked about this. This was like my fifth. Yeah. So uh, like, uh, one out of ten? Yeah, one to ten. Oh, uh, probably a six. Okay, for me this is like seven and a half. So I guess I, even though I feel like I've been more down on this film, <laughs> I still rate it higher than you. Um, I just find this film to be enjoyable in kind of a junk food kind of way. Yeah, me too. Which yeah. is where it gets a solid six, six and a half. Yeah. All right, and the last part, uh, who won the movie? Who won Asking the movie? Your, your, your least favorite question. For me, it's uh, probably uh, Maurizio Merrily. Uh, just because he's like the one thing I'm gonna be remembering about this film. The stunt coordinator. Okay, there you go. 
the whoever was riding that motorcycle. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Whoever was coordinating all the stunts, whoever wrote like how the stunts were supposed to go, that person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, any last thoughts? No. I mean, if you wanna have fun and, and watch this, you know, watch this. Uh, it's yeah. though though its name implies that it might it would be the most violent out of all these Italian politetskis. It's not. Um, really? It has some. Which one's more violent that we've seen? Almost human. Okay. I uh, sure. I I think in terms of amount of crimes. Almost this is more violent, but maybe in terms of absolute murders uh, and just the brutality of it, almost human is. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like the, the the cringiness of it, like the moments where sure. you are okay, or you're uncomfortable uh, because, I mean. Like, like if, if we talk about just sheer body counts, you know, like, mm -hmm. sure, uh, this probably is more violent, but then street law probably has a much higher body count in its opening than this one. That's true. That's true. So, so that's why I don't, I'm not counting, I'm not going for body count. Instead, I'm going for uh, just how much time they take into showing human suffering this one except for the the the, the woman who the kidnapped uh, the kid kidnapped woman at the beginning which is pretty fucked up um everything else not as bad okay. um italian connection in fact has a lot more like women beating on on torture if you will uh than this one this one is just Gruesome kills, but pretty quick. Yeah, and then it moves on real fast. Yeah, you don't yeah. have time to think about it. That is very much true in this film. Um, okay, well, there you have it. Um, so thank you for tuning in uh, to uh, the Film to Film podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed this series on Politioteskis. If you haven't listened to the earlier episodes on Politioteskis, definitely check those out as well. Um, we'll be moving on to, uh, I'm not sure what next, it's Nyaki's pick, so it's, we're going into October now, so maybe some horror movies coming up soon, um, mm -hmm. and uh, we will see you next time. Yep, see you next time. And, uh, you know, again, if you have any suggestions, don't forget to email us at zafilmtofilm at gmail.com and tweet us at us at zafilmtofilm, and that is the number two. All right. Well, again, thanks to be for being here. Good night or good day. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao.